and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. How are you today? I am doing okay as the uh, president tries to steal an election by ruining the post office in another edition of Hell Has No Bottom. So there's that. And while, while we're talking about that, uh, or thinking about this, or living through that, at least in this country, and uh, uh, it seems important to uh, get into the real and the uh, the 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 traumatic real, as sometimes uh, people talk about, uh, and the that which cannot be incorporated into symbolic, social, like psychic experience, like this sort of thing. So this this episode is going to be an introduction to the idea of the real, which is a very very big uh, concept. Uh, that Lacan introduces in Seminar 1. So this is part of the reason why we're talking about it uh, in a follow-up to hone in on one line early on in that seminar and then look at some later lines that complicate, add to, uh, and just, uh, I don't know, like there's an accumulation of meaning, right? Wouldn't you say? With uh, I think with that's the- right. I mean, you know, there is this idea that the early Lacan, so before the seminars, is the imaginary Lacan. Mm-hmm. And then this, the Lacan up until maybe seminar eight mm-hmm. is the symbolic Lacan. And then from eight onward is the real Lacan. So mm-hmm. I think there is this kind of way in which the real becomes increasingly, even if you don't accept that periodization, mm-hmm. there is a there is, I think, a way in which the real becomes increasingly central. And he gives increasing definitions for it. So that's it's kind of interesting. He like yeah. he'll like lay off these little pronouncements about what the real is, and those increase as time goes by. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And it's something so this this uh, episode is um is not exactly a listener request, but is inspired. It's a listener-inspired email. Um, I, I got a great email from uh, Phil in Australia, who is asking for some uh, guidance on this because uh, there are some really, there's some really good. Like, there's a, a great um, uh, psychoanalytic Wikipedia, right? The no subject, uh, dot com right. that, that can be really useful. Um, and th- if you go there looking for, uh, this happens sometimes. If if one goes there looking for like I want something uh, like quick, but like a little comprehensive just to like get me going into like thinking through and understanding something. It it can be presented in such a way that it's like uh, nobody knows what's happening. Like so it's, it's already too, uh, too advanced or too far along. Yeah. Too far along. And then, and then I think there's, this is the, um, this wasn't the listener didn't say this, but I think this is a natural kind of, uh, consequence and i think it happens a lot for like um critics and naysayers about like the whole thing that like we talk about all the time in this podcast like like all these all these different ideas and concepts like you know even even going to like back to hegel german idealism like uh, continental philosophy i think it, it dogs all of this which is that well there are so many things that conflict or like maybe they add on but only like a little bit that this is just it's diffuse and no one knows what they're talking about and I, th- I think that is something that um, s- f- more recently um, people like uh, it's not just Judith Butler, but like a lot of people have tried to head this off by actually writing very in a very difficult manner. Right. Like there's right. That, like that very famous. Um, it's, it's not called on difficulty, but like a defensive difficulty or something, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people in our profession who really get into that as as a thing that like, no, it's sh- it, it should be hard. 
it should be difficult. It's, and like that, I think makes an unnecessary bulwark between like people who are interested and on the outside and then people who are like already on the inside and supposedly like the gatekeepers of this knowledge. And that's what I think really is the word, the watchword, what ends up happening is it's just like, it's really gatekeepy. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, doesn't, it doesn't help people. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Right. No, that's a really, that's a really fascinating point because I think when I was coming up in graduate school, it was much worse because mm. the leading lights were Derrida, Deleuze. And so bad writing was, or complex, sophisticated, Spivak, mm-hmm. complex writing was, was a sign of intelligence, I think. And, yeah. and one of the defenses of it was, I forget who made this defense, but one of the defenses was, you know, every, every branch of knowledge has its own specialized language. So why wouldn't theory also have its own specialized language? Like yeah. you couldn't expect to read a paper in physics and, mm-hmm. and make sense of it because it would have its own, st- you know, like or, yeah. or any discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so why should that why should it be in in theory? Why should there be this accessibility to everybody? I I, I hate this argument, but yeah. I do think that was the argument. I think you're right. There was this kind of gatekeeping idea. Adorno would be another figure of mm-hmm. of you know complexity as a virtue in itself. And Adorno and I, Lacan actually is guilty of this yeah. too. I oh, think sure. just yeah. as much. <laughs> and and I think the idea one of the ideas for Lacan at least, and I think for Adorno too is. Don't understand. Imme- I'm going to write difficult with difficulty and make it difficult for you, so that you don't understand immediately, so as not to really get into what I'm trying to say. Like that, Lacan really wanted to block immediate understanding, and Adorno did too. And I think, you know, I feel like that's a. I understand that as an idea, mm-hmm. but I think it's a deep, deep problem because I think accessibility and being free of jargon these are just absolute values. I think. Yeah. Yeah, like like well, because um, it's hard to make um, understandability like the uh, the enemy of complexity, and 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 I, I think that that ends up being like a false that's like a false dichotomy. And even even though I mean I think like you know Rick Boothby who we had on the show uh, you know one time uh, I think I think he's right he has this like great line in Freud is philosopher that um, Freud is so widely misunderstood because he was like relatively easy to read. And I mean, right. like, I think that I think that's like 100 percent true. So, I mean, so you can see why, like, Lacan was trying to guard against something like that. Maybe he had that in, in mind. Um, but it, it I, think I think he explicitly had that in mind. He, he mentions that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's I, I think it ends up I think it maybe ends up indulging in, in, a, in a in a false dichotomy because the idea is that you can get into something that is you. And I think maybe despite himself, like we will talk about this later, like Lacan in later seminars, he has, he begins a lot of sentences, like in, in a lot of ideas with the real is. And so that's right. where if you're, if you're looking uh, for a, a definition of any like big term, when a, you know, thinker, uh, the philosopher is talking about like their, their own ideas, any sentence where they say the thing is like you underline that and like you you hold on to that and Lacan does it a bunch so the, the that's the, right the the tricky so he is I I think you can make the argument he's trying to be un- understood here the tricky thing is that he says the real is a lot and there he doesn't say the same thing every time and he ends up this is I guess my reading and maybe this this is this is just an orthodox reading is he is what he does is he's uh, affecting 
a um, not a performance of the idea, but he is he is affecting the the idea of the real itself in offering these different notions of it that um, conflict in very specific ways, and they like like add on and give uh, give greater shape to the idea than if he just said the same thing every time. Right. I also I think that's exactly right, and I also think it's it's there is this confusion created immediately because he uses the word real to describe what he's going to describe with it. And then he has to immediately make this distinction between real and reality. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so real, he, he does say this again and again, the real is not reality. Yes. And I think that's a, you know, I think we can debate, maybe we're not going to, I don't think, <laughs> but we, you can debate whether it was a good choice that he chose real to describe what he's going to describe with it. And I've had people say to me before, well, why do, these aren't, people aren't friendly to him. Mm-hmm. They've said, well, why don't, why didn't he say unreal? Because yeah. what you're describing sounds much more like something unreal rather than yeah. something real, because it's not just like I'm looking around outside, I see the trees and I see the sun, and that's not what he means by real. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the conception most people have when you say real, they think, oh, it's these objects that we encounter in the world, and that's not what real is for him. So he even the choice of the term, mm-hmm. I want to suggest, is already a way of countering common sense. It's, 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 it's already putting up a little obstacle to common sense. Yeah, no, I think that that's really great. And that's a great way to get into this. Like, so this is, um, this is a definition. And um, I'm going to cut out a, a section of this. This is a total heresy of paraphrase. So I'm going to cut out a little bit of this. If you have a seminar one at home, page 66. So he has, the, this is the, um, I think, I think this, it's arguable, or we, or I'll, I'll make the argument. This is his first definition of the real. I, I think. think so. Yeah. So, uh, hold on one second. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. Um, so, uh, the real is what resists symbolization. Absolutely. That is page 66 of seminar one. And so this is, this is our first, uh, definition. Uh, we're, what we're going to do in this episode is our introduction to this. We're going to start here, start, like start start from the start and then pull in some ideas from the later uh, seminars, which uh, do not have English translations. So listeners, you're getting some Todd McGowan originals uh, on, on this. So, uh, so you should Lucky. feel, I, uh, wow. yeah, well, hey, uh, l- listen, I, 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 I think it's gold. Uh, so, but, uh, but yes, we should, well, I'll also, I don't know, whatever, I'll make fun of you. I'd like to keep you at like a, to keep you at a two. So you don't, Think of yourself yeah. and yeah. any number. No, I of think of myself fine. as about a two. Oh, uh, then I got a scale of one to ten. Is that what I got to keep you at a one or a zero? Then okay. so that's, okay. we'll, we'll just do that. You bald okay. fuck. Uh, so there we okay. go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, the real is what resists symbolization. Absolutely. Um, let's unpack this a little bit. What's uh, what is what does he what does he mean here? And and why is why is he saying this? Like maybe even just in this seminar. Yeah. So I think he thinks that that sense or signification always has a point at which it stumbles. And I think another way to put this would be that real is the stumbling block of sense. So it's yeah. the point at which there's a hiccup mm-hmm. in the symbolic structure. You know, I, I like to think of the movie Matrix when they experience deja vu. Yeah. And they're like, deja vu, that means that someone's messing with the Matrix. And yeah. so that little hiccup, when you see the black cat cross your path twice, um, like that little hiccup within social reality, which is informed and structured by the symbolic, that hiccup is the real. And, and I think there are a couple, 
things he means by it here. So he here he I think he's thinking of it really in terms that I think you like to talk about in terms of seriality. And so okay. mm-hmm. so if 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 there if a structure has a definite form to it, mm-hmm. that that form as it repeats itself has certain points of impossibility that cr- get created because of the very nature of the structure itself. Mm-hmm. And those points where things don't just work, points that don't fit, points that disrupt the order, those points, that's what he means by real in this sense. So so in that, like if you think of real as what's stripped away of the symbol, then I think it makes sense why he chooses the term real, right? Like, like yeah. that that idea that it's 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 you're encountering something without the symbolic glaze over mm-hmm. top of it and that's why it's real yeah that's awesome and can i just say i love your matrix matrix example because it actually resists the very famous phrase from that movie welcome to the desert of the real which right. is yeah right, I, 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 right. the real isn't out in the desert right exactly yeah exactly. no it's right. it's uh i i think it's great like the uh, yeah the deja vu the 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 black cat the that Neo sees twice. That that is the um, the 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 appearance, the real in all its appearance. I guess, right? You know, I I think there's this other movie that came out. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. The same exact year as Matrix, Thirteenth Floor, also a science mm-hmm. fiction film about virtual reality, mm-hmm. and that film shows the real as this thing you get to when you've reached the end of the symbolic. Like the hmm. symbolic is kind of sutured together at the end, and it's just. When you get so there, the, there's a full reality. Everything seems like it's real, mm-hmm. and then this character drives his car to what to the end where the simulation ends, mm-hmm. and he's talking to someone else on the phone, and she's like, "Where are you?" And he says, I, "I'm at the end of the world." And you see, like the, the 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 consistency of the world breaks down, and you see these green lines, and it's just you know that's like the matrix becomes exposed. So I think yeah. that's another way to think of the real. It's the way in which. It's the point at which the symbolic structure becomes exposed as symbolic, right? Because yeah. it gives you a perspective from which to look at the symbolic structure without being in it. So I think that's the, that seems like it's crucial to me that, that you're, allowed, you're able to see something from the standpoint of the real, on the basis of the real, that you couldn't see otherwise. You could, that is, you couldn't see the actual symbolic structure itself. Yeah, this is it's really interesting. Um, the I'm I'm gonna at the end of the so there's there's um I meant to mention this at the beginning of the of the episode, but there are three we have three announcements. I think uh, one one is a personal thing for me. One is a thing about the show, and then another thing is from you. Uh, a bit of a giveaway. So stay tuned. Stay tuned to the end. Um, right, that's at the end. That's at the end. Um, but I um, I recently did um, uh, an interview on uh, seriality uh, with um, uh, uh, Jess Henderson over at the um, Institute of Network. Uh, is, am I going to get this right? Institute of Network Cultures uh, in, okay. in Amsterdam. I'm going to give I'll give more information about this later. But one one of the things I talked about, and I think it's relevant for what you just said, um, is that. There are okay, so the real is um, graspable in these moments of um, systemic and structural break, right? Like right. That, think that that's right. what you're saying. And one of the um, one of the things that I I like to harp on about, uh, or like where maybe we, where we can see this is when when you become aware of the algorithm, and I, I think is uh, is an example is an example of the real, and it is example of where of this. Um, I think this moment of like resistance against the 
you know, supposed totalizing power of these algorithms to determine our lives. There's, there's obviously, there's a total, absolutely available paranoid reading of the success of like, uh, Google's algorithm is called PageRank, but that's not what people, that's not why it's uh, insidious. It's that um, the ad tech seems to, uh, it seems to know what, what you want before you know, and like you just were talking about something and then an ad popped up in your Instagram and isn't. And so one of the things I said in this interview, and, and I I think it's relevant to this is that, okay, that's not the moment, like looking at that moment as the, as the absolute complete success and domination of the algorithm. When you notice it, look like if you think that that's it be like it's complete power, you are wrong. If you are noticing it working, it has failed. Like right. the whole right. point of, of, of the algorithm is for you not to know that it's, it's doing this. And, and so, you know, we, we, the, the point, like, uh, one of the things, but don't asked, you also yeah, think ahead. there's another problem with that? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Bernie, no, 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 please. Don't, don't you think the other problem and then you, you should finish, but, sure. but the other problem, it seems to me is that, that it doesn't, know how the algorithm can't read this is another definition of the real can't read the real of your desire right yes. like yeah. it all it does is pick up things that you've actually i get this all the time like you're looking at something on amazon and then it shows you that same object and i feel like <laughs> saying that's not my desire i've already shown you that my desire is what can't be articulated yeah. can't be symbolized like there, there is a real to your desire and that's what I mean, if you think about, I think this is what's great about Mad Men, right? That, mm-hmm. that Don Draper reads the real of the consumer's desire all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, and that's what the show is so interested in. Like that's why he's not just this ad person. There's also this ethical kind of core to him because he's concerned with the real of the other's desire. And I think that's what these algorithms can't like, like there's always this question, like are the algorithms going to take the place of all the people? Well, they can't because at least yeah. so far, because they don't know how to read desire to put it in, in Jones terms of the read my desire, right? They can't read my desire. And I think that's a, your example is really proof of the way in which the real is absent from the algorithm. Yeah, that's no, no, that's really, really nice because it, um, I think it makes a distinction that I, is relevant to a conversation about the real, like directly relevant is yeah. what the algorithm does is it amalgamates, uh, based on mathematics, what you want, you know, it's not right. what you desire. Right. And, and that's, right. that's the most important that, that, that is. And I think that, um, this distinction between conscious one and unconscious desire, that's yes. what you're making, right? That is right. exactly right. And I think that's a dimension that in, oh, I don't know, in the, in the social, in the common sense, in, you know, in, in, in regular parlance and conversation, like, I think we've kind of lost that. Like, like the, there is um, a narrowing down of unconscious desire to conscious want. And that yep. occurs uh, in, in, in advertisements where that's, I guess, the, what's interesting about what, this is exactly what you just said about Mad Men. I'm just phrasing it differently. Is like that's what's interesting about Don Draper and what's interesting about Mad Men is it does the opposite. It doesn't narrow down unconscious desire to conscious want. It it takes conscious want to expose unconscious desire. Yeah. That's what and that, yeah. that, that that that's that's Don's success. That's right. uh, in 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 the show. And then he loses that, which is fantastic. You know, like because he's too in touch with his own, you know, uh, unconscious as it like as it shows. Uh, yeah. Like later in yeah. later in the series. Um, and anyway, anyway, I think that that um, 
is like if you're looking for like um you know f- following off the, the conversation we began this with like um w- well why why is this stuff like uh interesting or useful sometimes the answer is like well it's difficult and like to push through the difficulty to come to the answer like you know there's a process that um is oh i don't know like almost um like a catechism like like that, that that makes it worthwhile like you go through the process to understand the idea and that gives it its value um i think and that would maybe be another defense of the of writing with difficulty yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think, think it, it is yeah 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 i think i'll give an uh one on the side of uh, understanding is that and and maybe more like um uh <laughs> i don't want to say immediate because i don't want to put us on the side of immediacy but right. like um more uh, <laughs> I don't know what, like just uh, just an accessibility. Yeah, right? it's yeah, probably accessibility. Better, yeah, yeah, an accessible yeah. kind of uh, on on the graspable is that you can see a dimension to social symbolic logic that has been like largely cut out um, by like one. Um, of course, scientific forces that discount notions of the unconscious, right? Like that's like almost right. like too almost too obvious to mention. But then there is on the side of capitalism and commerce, this uh, you know, like don't you want a new Ford F one fifty? Isn't your old iPhone shitty now because there's a new one that's got a, like and and it's not uh, looking at it's it's trying to pitch you conscious want as unconscious desire at the same time that it disavows the existence of like unconscious desire at all. And that's what an inquiry into the, into the real. And and it's like kind of why Lacan is even talking about it. There, there has to be something just beyond conscious and, uh, and, and beyond conscious thought, beyond conscious conversation, beyond conscious construction of the world that exists and supports it in a way that could also destroy it. And I think right. that's kind of what he's getting at. And and so Yeah. It, yeah, it's that, crucial, yeah. Brian. Yeah. I think that the isn't isn't like what you're saying is that conscious want or conscious wishes are never they don't touch upon the real because they mm-hmm. fit fully within the symbolic. Whereas yes. unconscious desire, it's the real of your unconscious desire. I think that that's a pretty interesting opposition. And I mm-hmm. think you're right that capitalism on the one hand it it has to take advantage of the real of your desire otherwise it would not it would cease to exist right it wouldn't mm. if it didn't satisfy that the real of your desire in some way but i think it's also very threatening to it because mm-hmm. it it threatens like it threatens the entire symbolic structure so there's a real there's a kind of fast and loose that any ruling structure especially capitalism has to play with the real of desire or the the real as such, right? Like there, I think it's always a dangerous territory, but it's a necessary territory because mm-hmm. if you don't mobilize that real, you're never going to get people invested in what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's the problem. Like it's the point at which the structure is open and, and mm-hmm. vulnerable, but it's also the point at which people's get emotionally invested in what they're doing and, and, and can thus be part of it right so mm-hmm. so you wouldn't even get an investment if there was no real and if you didn't appeal on the level of the real you wouldn't even get an investment in whatever the the social project is so i think that's a to me that's a that the real is one of these categories where or, or it is the category which is mm-hmm. on, fundamentally on both sides right like it's it's the thing that 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 allows people to obey mm-hmm. and makes a obedience appealing and it's the at, at the same exact point 
it's the point of vulnerability of the of the ruling structure. That's really really nice. Would you for just for the purposes of this conversation because we are um, going to do a, an introduction to symbolic and imaginary like right, for this right. following the way that Lacan has has these arranged in a later seminar called RSI which is not available in either French or English, is that true? In in right, only online in okay. French. Right. Yeah, all right. So, um but just for just someone listening to us, maybe coming to all three of these terms. I mean, we talked about the imaginary and mirror stage episode, and and definitely last week uh, in the uh, seminar one episode, a little bit symbolic there as well, like that dimension. But um, would you just for like a quick definition of uh, of, of of symbolic to like support this is? Um, would you say that it is like reality in its appearance? Like yeah. That? Okay. Yeah, as it's as it's supported through signification, okay. right? So it's the it's the layer of mediation that allows a reality to. I mean, appearance is a little suggests image, okay. right? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like I always think the symbolic is the structure that holds everything that maps everything and holds everything together in our reality. Yeah. So so what we see is imaginary. Mm-hmm. But the, what holds it all and makes it cohere, what holds it together and makes it cohere, that's the symbolic mm-hmm. and allows us to talk about it, to get any kind of purchase on it. Like if it's just imaginary, we wouldn't even, things would just like pop up here and there and we'd have no way to connect it all together. So, yeah. so the that's symbolic the symbolic. Is this, is this connective tissue of relation. Right. right. Okay. Right. And then right. the real is within this structure that is a, a point of a break, a fissure. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So the so interestingly, like the there is a kind of link between the real and the imaginary, right? Because they're both about this cut within mm-hmm. the symbolic, and and there's a way in which the imaginary covers over the real cut. Like mm-hmm. we have images there that both point to the real and mm-hmm. cover it over and protect us from it. It's a little bit like do you know? So Soren Kierkegaard. It's this is fascinating. I asked Guy Legoffet about this, and he said, no, no, it's Augustine who's the real influence, not Kierkegaard. But mm-hmm. So Kierkegaard had these three categories of mm-hmm. what he called the aesthetic, mm-hmm. the ethical, and the religious. And they, mm-hmm. they, they correspond almost precisely. So aesthetic is the imaginary in Lacan. Mm-hmm. The ethical is the symbolic. And the religious, for Kierkegaard, is like the real. It's these moments of, like his example, this is a, comes from his book, Fear and Trembling, mm-hmm where he describes the he calls it a religious suspension of the ethical. So hmm. so uh when when Isaac gets the call to or sorry, when Abraham gets the call to murder, I That's really, really I always funny. take the perspective yeah, of, of the son. <laughs> uh, That's good. So so when when Abraham gets the call to murder Isaac from mm-hmm. God and to sacrifice his son, he that's and he obeys. Kierkegaard thinks that's an act in the real. He mm-hmm. calls it religious because it's a suspension of the symbolic slash ethical realm. And mm-hmm. you act, even though he doesn't know it's an, it's this impossible thing. He has to give up the son that he loves that he's given, you know, it's just the, gives his whole life meaning mm-hmm. and God asks him to sacrifice it. And he just obeys. And, and Kierkegaard thinks this is this, he, he, describes the religious exactly like Lacan would later describe the real as this cut within mm. the normal symbolic ethical order. So I think that I have always thought that that makes a great 
you know, that parallel between characters. Not too many people talk. I think Slavoj talks about it a little bit in Enjoy mm-hmm. Your Symptom, but basically not that many people talk a lot about that. But I think it's a, it seems to make a lot of sense to see how those categories overlap. It's really interesting. I want to give you, um, I meant to bring this up on this podcast before, uh, but this is, a, I think, a really nice current, very, very contemporary of this moment example of the uh, imaginary covering over um, the real. Um, uh, have you have you used Zoom to... Yeah, yeah. Do, okay, yeah of course you have. Yeah. Of course. Okay. So have you done uh, like a virtual background? Have you done this? I haven't done it yet, no. Okay. All right. So um, my... But I've seen people do it. I've Zoomed with them and they've had it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or if people have a green screen or whatever. So this is right. th- this is really, really nice. Um, and it's not going to be... I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this example and you're not going to, uh, you will not expect the direction that this, that this takes because I'm not sure that you know this about how the way Zoom functions. So for people okay. who don't know, um, it, obviously, Zoom, I mean, I, I don't know, I feel like who doesn't know about Zoom, but like Zoom is, I don't know, like Skype, it's any of these like uh, video conferencing uh, software uh, things. And uh, one of the, um, I don't know, affordances of this particular program is that you can throw up a background of any image uh, that just is behind you to cover up where you are. My office, where I will be doing all of my educating this semester, is in, uh, it's also, there's just no word for this. It's also the room where all of our clothes are at home because there's not, because where our bedroom is, there's not space to have like a dresser. So my office is also the clothes room. clothes room, yeah. I I guess, yeah, Yeah, okay. So um, here's something that that I had to realize is that when, when you put up a, uh, if you have a background that has like text on it, when you look at yourself in the background, it's reversed. And I thought, oh, that's what somebody else sees. So I need to reverse the image to make it go the the proper way. But that's not that's not how you do it. When you look at yourself on on Zoom and you can see this in the you're mirrored because what they want to do is they want to maintain the consistency of how you look in the mirror with how you look at yourself on Zoom. And then it's flipped for the person looking at it so that you look to them the way you would look if they were standing in front of you. So Are you serious? I am so 100% don't, serious. <laughs> so you're not looking at yourself like everybody else sees you. No. You were looking at yourself as though you were looking in the mirror. So okay. it is a fascinating thing where not only not only actually does um, uh, the zoom maintain the 180 degree rule from film, but it is totally invested in the mirror stage and upholding the the mirror misrecognition of of yourself to so that like right. you don't see you can you can flip it. It's really really jarring. You can uh, you can uh, flip a button so that you see yourself the way that the other person sees you. Right. And it's, it's, it's jarring. Like it, like it really, really is. So it's, cause it's you not, never see yourself that way. Never, never. Right. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's really, really fascinating of, of, of this, like that is the, the default setting. I, I have to say that when I'm in these zoom meetings and I have to, I see myself up there, it makes me want to puke. Like, I, I don't know how, you know, like, wouldn't that be terrible if our whole lives we went around and whenever we talked to someone, we had you, to see yeah. your, ourselves there? It's just the worst. Awful. No, you never would. Yeah. No one would ever want to live in third person. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's that, terrible. Yeah, it'd be awful. Anyway, so, go ahead. Yeah. So to give me the real out of this. Um. Oh, just that. No, no, no. Just that you, the way that you, the your flipped appearance, right? Like that's that, the that, real. Yeah. 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 In in, yeah. in this example. Um, and so they use the so so what you're saying is that 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 Zoom uses the imaginary mirror look at you mm-hmm. to cover over the real, which would be 
this impossible look at yourself as others see you. Yes, yes, that is exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Which, yes, which comes real. to our other definition of, Lacan often says the real is the impossible, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And he says this, I think, before around early like seminar nine, seminar 10, and then, and then at the end he says it all the time, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think um, we've got some... Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. Let, let's just deal with that, right? The real is impossible. Yeah. So, um, I I think I've I've uh, I've used as an example of the the impossible real um, equality in, under capitalism is this point of impossibility. Well, don't uh, you think equality yeah. as such is an impossible real? Like you're never going to get. I mean, it can be an ideal that you strive for, but sure, it can sure. never. I don't think it yeah, can ever yeah. be fully. I mean, in fact, I would even say something like the striving to realize it is the realization of equality or something like mm-hmm. that. So I, 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 I sort of think equality is real. Interesting. Even Interesting. without capitalism, like just as. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's great. That's awesome. So the, uh, so that, that would be an example. Another one I've, I've brought this up before. This is from Alam Baju who, who uh, talks about the um, infinity is this impossible. It's not, it's a number that is like beyond like graspability. But it, it uh, I mean, it's not a number; it's a symbol, and right. it, like mathematics, d- uh, depends upon it. This, this, the field of numbers. This is like Baju's phrase. He says, "I, I don't know if he's written this somewhere, but this was in um, a, a recorded uh, conference talk that I that I saw um, at, at one point." But um, and I don't know when it was. So very sorry to anybody who's looking for that, um, who <laughs> who likes it and would like further information. Uh, I got nothing for you on that, but he, yeah. he, so, uh, no follow-up, but what he talks about is that like the, um, the, the field of numbers like depends on the infinity, you know, it's cause it's not, you know, the, you, you it's no one's job to like, I mean, yes, of course, like the, like people are trying to figure out the next number in pi, but like, could you imagine if that's what mathematics was is like, what's the next number? You, you, right. you know, like you don't know, like that's, that's not, that's not what the, the, the work is. That's not, that's not what it does. Like it, it relies on this symbol to close it. And now we can deal with, um, you know, applying mathematics in, in other ways because we have this notion of infinity, which is impossible to like, um, incorporate into, you know, symbolic reality. Like, like that's, uh, that's, you know, to go back to the mirror, like a mirror looking at, you know, in, in, a, in a mirror right. and, you know, th- this, this, this projection that, that, that goes on into infinity. So, right. um, yeah. My favorite yeah. example of, look, it's also a mathematical example of real from Lacan is the square root of negative one. So within, and this is the, the whole, the problem is the language becomes complicated, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it overlaps with his language in ways that are not exactly correct. Mm-hmm. But so in the, in the, in the, in the, set of all real numbers, mm-hmm. the square root of negative one doesn't, it, it, there's no, there's no real number, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. It's, it, it, it ends up being an imaginary number. Uh, so nice. the, the yeah. problem is that though all those words are not the, like what the set of real numbers is for Lacan is a symbolic set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the square root of negative one is a real, that's really the real mm-hmm. It's not a real number, but right. it's failure to be a real number is what makes it the real. And then when it gets turned into, and I think that actually imaginary coincides, right? Like when there's a system of imaginary numbers, mm-hmm. that is kind of what Lacan means by the imagine. Like it's like we we say that's an imaginary number in order to cover over this gap in the set of all real numbers. Although yeah. 
that's not exactly right either because the set of imaginary numbers is itself a symbolic set. So I think the imaginary idea doesn't work there, but I think that that notion of square root of negative two, mm -hmm. which doesn't have a real solution. Negative two? Is, sorry, negative one. That's, he, he constantly, negative two yeah. would work too, but yeah, yeah. Um, he just picks square root of negative one. Sure. Um, that, 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 that the, the inability to have a symbolic answer to that mm -hmm. is the real, and yet that's an operation that square root is an operation you can perform within the mathematical universe of real numbers, mm -hmm. right? So that's the, that's, I think that's a, to me, that's always been a good example, even though the term, like, it's even tricky. though that's tricky, yeah, yeah, but it, I, yeah, but it's Lacan's example. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think it, it's, it's helpful. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's, so that, um, you know, big, big topic, big blanket is to um, look at the impossibility that is inextricable from uh, consciously graspable functions, I think it would be the, be the way to, right. to put that all together. Right. Right. Um, so that, and, and that's, that's that, what, that even yeah. mathematics has mm -hmm. these points of impossibility within its structure, right? Like yeah. that's, that's, I think that's what Lacan is getting at, and that's, I think, crucial. I mean, that's what he means when he says the real is impossible. I think we can see it in, we can see it clearly in mathematics. Just, and I think the Badu example is good because I think we can see it also in politics pretty clearly, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. like, think about the way in which Medicare for all, for a mm -hmm. while, I think now people say in America it's, it's realizable. But for a while, I think people would say that's just impossible, right? Like yeah. for whatever reason, it's just not, it's impossible. Or communism, it's impossible. Yeah. People just say it's impossible. And I think that's another way. So there's... Well, Todd, you know, when I, I do, just, just to, sorry, just to interrupt, but I want you to pick up from that point. When I started, when I went to UVM and, and I, I was uh, started teaching there, like every, like half of every... Uh, students final research paper was about why weed should be legalized and then by the by the last by the my last semester there I was like you can't no one can write about this anymore like I don't want I don't want to hear about it any longer but everyone wrote about it because it seemed like it would be impossible in this country and now like you know you can get weed delivered uh right. in in a lot mm -hmm. of different places so yeah so the, the like that um it, it's it's I don't know it's it's interesting I, I don't know does that example work because like that it's it's I don't know, it's, maybe it's kind of like a black swan thing, like it's something impossible until it happens. Until it happens. Well, I think that's what Lacan means by the impossible real, right? Yeah. Like it's it's structurally impossible, but then when it happens, it changes the structure. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why yeah. there's this effect of what what Freud called noctreglikite, which means mm -hmm. retroactivity, right? Freud used it in a very narrow sense, and Lacan kind of expands it. But I think that's what happens when the real, impossible real occurs. Mm -hmm. It retroactively changes the field of the symbolic, and it becomes a possibility. So, so the impossibility of the real, once it happens, becomes the real becomes possible, and the symbolic structure undergoes a shift. So that I think that's an interesting, nice way to think of it. I was just thinking, too, that Alain Badu's four truth procedures, we've mentioned mm -hmm. two so far, we've mentioned mathematics and politics, but the mm -hmm. other one being art and science. I think in those two, in, in art and science, there are also these points of impossibility mm -hmm. and then something, sorry, are they art and, what I think, no, 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 there's mathematics isn't one, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? I forgot one. I forgot love. And I think love yeah, actually love, works right. pretty well too, that love is a, love always has this kind of impossibility attached to it. And then when it happens, it didn't seem like it was possible, and then it, it's this breakthrough, and it happens. Yeah. Science, I think, is is interesting too, right? Like, there's 
like the Copernican system, it was impossible mm-hmm. until there were enough anomalies within the Aristotelian or Ptolemaic systems, and then all of a sudden the Copernican becomes possible. Yeah, it's it's the love is is I think the for that that point specifically like the love event, which I think we're kind of tying to the like to the to the real this like a, a rupture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I rupture. Um, is uh yeah it's very very clear for um for Budju that like you know the you your day I mean I, I think this, this he says this I it's probably in an essay that's collected in conditions or something like that you know you go about your day and it's one way and then you fall in love and then suddenly it's just all about this other person and like your your the way that your life was the day before is just like unthinkable like you, you can't go back to it right um, right. That's so, why it's impossible, right? That's yeah, why, and yeah. that's why it's real because mm-hmm. it it completely changes the symbol. I mean, that's another way. It's interesting that Lacan never uses this definition, but you could say the real is what completely changes the symbolic coordinates of my life, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the real. I mean, that's a little more eventful, real. Like yeah. it, it, this this term from Alain Badu, the the event. But I think he, I think there is a lot of overlap between event and real. The only what's different is that I think real is a more expansive term because it yeah. covers mm-hmm. things that are like event for Badu is there's always something positive. In fact, it's, it's totally a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. for real, for Lacan emerges at the point of symbolic contradiction and it might not be, it might be totally negative. In fact, I think it mostly is negative. Well, this is why, and, and I mean, this would be another dimension to, to get into, um, hopefully sensibly for, for an introduction, but this is why like one of the, um, especially in the nineties, one of the biggest like impacts of the real, it's like a funny phrase, but like in an academic field was in trauma studies and uh, like with Kathy Carruth and uh, in particular that like the, the real as impossible uh, was uh, like kind of the, the guiding light for a little while on like, like how to um, how to understand uh, trauma as this, um, you know, we were just like running through some uh, some lines too. Like like Joan uh, Kopchak even kind of uh, says something a little similar about like this this uh, this this deadlock of of symbolization, this impossibility yeah. of bringing something into like formal speech. So like the the tra- the, the thinking about like real and trauma is that like something like it it happened, but it didn't like it didn't it didn't it didn't really happen to you. Like it, yes, it happened, but it's it's not um uh it's not approachable and it's not uh, registered right it's yeah, not yeah. registered like if like there's a way in which your memories are a symbolic record of what happens to you the trauma is not registered among those symbolic memories yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so that so that i i, I was uh, and and it was i'm not i'm not trying to reduce the entire field just to that like one idea of lacan but like it did i i think began uh with that insight and i i think it's moved a little bit the field itself, I, I have a couple of good friends who, who do a lot of work with trauma studies and the field has moved a little bit with like Ruth Lee's and like, and also with uh, disability studies, there's this problematic, like we talked about this like some episodes ago, there's a problematic about like um, making uh, like a lot of within disability studies is making visible the invisible. And so to hold on to this idea of trauma is that which like can never be articulated right. as being like a problematic for the field. But so right. I think there, that, that field is, is working on, on that uh, theoretically uh, as we speak, but that's, um, you know, one, another like kind of concrete example of where the like impossible real had an impact both in like uh, the Academy. And then I, I think kind of like 
uh, trauma studies was like pretty big in understanding like uh, media, uh, social in the in the nineties. Well, the way uh, yeah. PTSD got theorized, I think, was yeah. had a had a real debt to trauma studies. I think I think that's right. Yeah, definitely. And and so that's another way, another twist on this real uh, impossible. So I want to I want to hit you with a couple others. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll talk. We'll maybe talk this through. Uh, this was from Seminar Twenty One. The the okay. real is, and I think again, another one of these <laughs> declarative like sentences. The real is. The real is what doesn't depend on my idea of it. Yeah, so, I love that one. Yeah. So how yeah. does that? So, um, if you could uh, unpack that a little bit, and and like, how does that like go back to the real is impossible, or what does it add to, or or or, or like points of break also from uh, our like first definition, right? Which is that like the real is what resists symbolization absolutely so yeah i kind of think there's a real continuity there don't you isn't it interesting that that's a funny so many todd mcgowan you said i don't get the fun a real continuity (laughs) no right uh i don't you think it's one of these terms that even though lacan defines it differently Mm -hmm. you could say like maybe he never and even though his ideas shift so much that mm-hmm. maybe that his understanding of the real never shifts. He just talks mm-hmm. about it differently. Because yeah. I kind of think that not it, it not depending on our idea of it, like that mm-hmm. seems like what I think what he means by, I think that's a way of saying it resists symbolization absolutely because yeah. our mm-hmm. ideas are, are ways of symbolizing things. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, it's not part of that. And I think that's what he's getting at with this idea. But also I think what he's getting at is that he has this other, this is also much earlier, he says this, the real always returns to the same place. This is yeah. from Seminar 2. And and I think that's tied to that, that again, again, there's a continuity here because I think that's the same, the same kind of thing. Like you can have, and his, his, his example is the way that the planets functioned or the stars functioned for people. Like the, mm-hmm. they, they always come back. This is why you can navigate by the stars because they always come back to the same place. Mm-hmm. And so that, like even though we can symbolize them in all different kinds of, we can put all these different constellations up, there's still something within the constellations that we'll see, oh, that one star always is at 40 degrees you know, uh, latitude, whatever, you know, like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. there's always this, always going to be some thing that returns to the same place and doesn't, and no matter how we symbolize things, it's going to, re- it's not going to be affected by that. And I think that's really a, I think that's what he's getting at, that that our ideas can't, there's something within the structure that's going to, no matter what our ideas are, it's going to keep returning to the same place or it's mm-hmm. going to be consistent. And that's, that's what the real is. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause it suggests, I wonder if, if you would say this another way of like a, putting like a twist on it. Like it's, yeah. um, it doesn't like, it, it's something that, um, is not adjusted, uh, vis-a-vis your subjectivity, like your subjective right. position doesn't, right doesn't alter it. I think that's now, so I, so I have this, this thing I want to like, want to work. Through. So that, that's actually something that's actually really interesting that, th- that it like for obviously everyone's trauma is like particular to. Their, right. Right. Or yeah. singular. Yeah. Or sing, yeah. Yeah. Singular. Yeah. 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 Singular to, the, to themselves. And, yeah. um, but the, the function it seemed like that I think Lacan would, uh, ascribe to it is like it would be is like universal or maybe universal is not the right word but just immutable 
Like that seems to be this, the real is what doesn't depend on my idea of it is like, we're right. talking, we're talking right. about this, like, a, you know, like a, on a mathematical, like a mathematical compass. It's like uh the, like the fixed foot, right. As um, I think John Donne puts it in a poem. It's right. just like, yes. it, yeah. Uh, like it doesn't, it's the, that it, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't move. Uh, right. is that, I don't know. Is that, is that how? Is that how you yeah, that's interesting, that? right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the so the other foot of the compass makes all the symbolic designs, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but mm-hmm. the one foot is constantly staying in the same place. I think that's a, and it that's leaves one. a hole. It usually leaves a hole in the paper too, right? But, you know, right. I, it's, it's kind right. of maybe kind of nice. No, I like that. Structure. That's the hole of the real. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really that's a nice little metaphor for it. I think, um, uh, I think that that that. that What's going on here, though, is about how does this, how does this impossibility, like, like if you, th- it's hard to think impossibility, and it doesn't matter what we think of it, right? Mm-hmm, like, I think mm-hmm, that because because mm-hmm. yeah. we impossibility is how we think, right? Mm-hmm. Like we think like we think things are possible or impossible, but it's interesting that for Lacan, the real doesn't care what we think about it, and it's impossible at the same time. So that suggests that it does have a place within our thinking and within mm-hmm. our symbol, symbolic structure, but it's a specific place where no matter what we try to, how we try to conceive it, it always thwarts that attempts to conceive it in a certain way, right? I think yeah. that's the key, that, it, mm-hmm. that it's, it's constantly running at a countercurrent mm-hmm. to the way the symbolic structure is working, and I think that's a—that's what he's kind of getting at. That 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 this doesn't fit smoothly within the symbolic structure. It's that hiccup, as we talked yeah. about before. Yeah, that's it's really really nice because it like what you what you've done is you've brought together the like the idea of it is elusive, and I think a lot of times like I've I've heard other people who are not like psychoanalytically inclined use this to argue against that like Lacan has anything to say because like because the definition keeps changing and it's and it's like and like well he taught like does he continue to talk about it in different ways yes does that make it inconsistent no what he's like getting at is is its uh elusiveness and i and i think um what you can look at just like with the the real like of the of the of the fixed foot is that like it and i mean this is true with the mathematical compass is that it um it curves signification around it but right. it is not itself signified, right? So, right. so that I, I think is is, uh, is 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 very important, and so you can see the um, you can see the idea as having a, a solidity while still maintaining its elusiveness, and I, and and that that is the um, like very important for being able to, to, to think this idea of Lacan and a lot of others. Like I would say. Right. But don't you think, I mean, the, it's funny that he gets attacked for being non-scientific on, cause this is actually, I think an idea that's pretty scientific, yes. right? Like, yeah. like doesn't modern physics talk about the curvature of space and time for sure. and, and that curvature, I think Lacan would just say that's the real, like it's yeah. the real that makes that curve in space and time and, and creates this, I mean, it's funny because I don't think anybody in this in a in an old Euclidean world could have mm-hmm. conceived of the real, right? Because yeah. because the I think he had to exist in a modern world to think that the real exists. Because I think in 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 in, in an ancient world, things were just cons- there was a consistency to things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. just or you wouldn't have been 
constantly confronted with that curvature. I mean, they thought that the laws of nature held universally, right? And yep. we now know they don't, that they, mm-hmm. that, they, that, they, that they vary in certain places. And I think that's, that seems to me that, that, like, if you get close to a black hole, then all of a sudden gravity, all these things right. that are you one thought plus were one laws. One does not equal two anymore. And that, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so I think that's the real, that, that, that change in space and time is the real. And I, so I think there's a way in which this idea that seems, in, in a certain way, it seems the most out there by Lacan. In a way, it's the most doctrinarily scientific, you know, fits within the modern world perfectly. That's really, really nice. That's really nice. What, like, um, would, would you like? It, it is interesting too to think about like a like a Euclidean world too, and like like thinking about the natural laws uh, behaving like or, or like operating like again immutably and, and universally like in perpetuity forever. Is it also discounts like the human effect on the environment? And this, uh, I, like, I mean, that might be another domain for this is like there are the natural laws and then there are natural laws that don't hold and then there's this effect of people on the way that the natural laws work and this uh tension between them uh the the like the 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 torsion of a a mass of people doing x and what effect it has on like the the natural law like that is like another way of understanding what lacan gets at the real would you say that works Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. And don't you think that you could even rethink the entire problem of global warming from the perspective of the real? And then that would be that would be a whole like I think the it's mostly conceived as a symbolic problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a a mathematical, like like reducible, like strict to discrete actions of of of, of individuals and then larger bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We've got it. We've we're polluting this much. We've got to cut back this much, this right? Much, like yep. it's mm-hmm. just a symbolic, whole symbolic problem. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be more interesting to think not just from. I mean, the the, uh, the clear way you can think of the real is the the. And this we'll get to this as our next definition. The, <laughs> yeah, the, right. the, you could think of the enjoyment that comes from destroying the environment, right? Ah, like that's mm-hmm. that's one way the real is really evident. But I think the other way to think of it in terms of of the climate problem is that the real is this thing that makes us that makes our relationship to the world always off kilter right mm-hmm. and so we mm-hmm. don't things aren't just ever we can't just operate in this straightforward way that it, everything is thrown off by the real so mm-hmm. i think that's a, just another way to think of it absolutely yeah and and now do you want you want to get into real enjoyment yeah i think it's pretty cool okay. so so lacan <laughs> there's a couple of things that are pretty great so seminar 23 he says that the the real is he equates it to masochistic enjoyment, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty extreme. Yeah. And he does say the real is enjoyment at other points. Mm-hmm. So and this is all later. This is all like seminar twenty and beyond. Mm-hmm. So he's 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 about at the end of the end of the road. But but I think that that's a pre, I think that m- most people that think about enjoyment a lot think about the real because enjoyment is located at that point beyond or where symbolization doesn't cover things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's what, because there's no way to explain enjoyment. Like you can't say like, oh, because this and this happened, that's why the person is enjoying there. It's the right. enjoyment, it's symbol, it works the other way around. We have to try to symbolize enjoyment after the fact, but it's this break within mm-hmm. the symbolic structure. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's, that's really, really interesting. This is... um. Like this, okay. I, I don't. I don't think this work. 
No, no, maybe it does work as, as an example of enjoyment. So one of the, um, uh, one, so the cognitivist check, this is a film studies thing. So I apologize for jumping tracks completely, but like the, uh, I think this is sensible is that the cognitivist, uh, check against like the way that, uh, specifically psychoanalysis looks at the film image is that, um, psychoanalysis says like someone look, looks at an image and they see it wrapped up in all this like social symbolization. And that's, that's how they like that. That's how they come to an image. And what the cognitivist thing, I think, um, uh, what is it? Is it, I'm not gonna remember his name. Grodel Torben, Torben Grodel. I don't you know. know. I, don't, uh, yeah. I wrote about him a little bit in the, the master's thesis, but like this, like it's something that Bordwell also talks about is that they want to look at the actual process by which like a, an image goes through like your, your brain and it goes through, you know, the, like it enters in like your occipital lobe and your eyes. And then the, the like information goes through, you know, these circuits and, and th- this is what actually happens in your brain. And so to say that when you see an image, it already enters into this like social, like, like symbolic thing, like that's like jumping a huge thing. And it's not scientifically vi- verifiable, right? Like that's okay. like kind yeah, of interesting. Okay. okay. So the, the thing that I think this would be the psychoanalytic check is that like that all of that, all of that can and is true that that's what happens when your, your, your brain like sees an image. Uh, yep. but that's not how you experience it. Like no, ever, no one experienced the image like traveling, like the, uh, scientists in the fantastic voyage in the ship in someone's like bloodstream, like where it hits like one, little like uh you know point or, or one uh um i'm losing all the word, synapse and like or in the right, one lo- right. like you don't that's not how it works it seems to happen immediately but it's it doesn't actually like like it it, it, it involves uh like the, like our um i guess i put this like like the evaluation of an image or evaluation of a film these things that like happen retroactively and like they were like, you know, I think everyone's seen a movie or seen an ending for something or read the end of a book or just, and they need time to process the -hmm. thing where like the, the thing that you were wrapped up in and looking at was so big that you, you don't, you don't have time to, uh, to, to, to even make sense of it. So with, um, I don't know within, I don't know. I I don't want to put enjoyment on the side of, uh, immediacy, but like it's, it, it doesn't, there's not evaluation in enjoyment and there's not, there's not this like distinct, uh, cognitive, uh, process, but like what you think about a film is very, very different from what you feel about a film. And so thinking about the film engages in the, the symbolic process, but like enjoying a film is a lot more, uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's a lot closer to, uh, the, like just the, the moment of, of you looking at it and it, and it is a lot, it's just a lot more bodily and it's a lot more, um, I don't know, sense sensory, which is interesting because summer 22, the real is what is like expelled from all sense. So, uh, yeah, but sense, he doesn't mean sense in the, in the sense of, oh, that's what, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, actually, that's of you're right. sensing it, right? Like you yeah. can sense like signification. Like, yeah, um, logic. So it fits perfectly. Right. The thing that I was just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. I, 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 wonder the, I wonder if you would say, so, so you, you enjoy a film, right? So you sure. have the, the sense of enjoyment. There's this encounter and the enjoyment comes from the real of the film. I mm-hmm. think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, but doesn't it require 
in order to enjoy the film at all, doesn't mm. it require your act of interpretation? Yes. Right. So yeah, I think I that's why it's not immediate, right? I think yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. what Thank you're you. describing yeah, yeah. Yeah. isn't immediate. I think it's a good description because it's there's already interpretation there, but then there's this point at which the interpretation brings you to the point is be, that's beyond sense, which is enjoyment, and yeah, which is yeah. the real, right? Like, I think that's the thing. Like, every, it's almost like the interpretation hits the rock of the real or directs you to this, mm-hmm. to the real, where you enjoy the film. So it's like, it's like, how can you're, as you're watching a film, if you're trying to enjoy it, do you know people that are, I mean, I know you know people like this, that are perverse film goers, that mm-hmm. their enjoyment of a film comes from all the ways in which they interpret away what it's doing right yeah, like yeah. this is how it's this is how it's horrible in this way and this is like narratively this was it failed and, yeah right right mm-hmm. so yeah. that's or like oh this was a uh, they've made a mistake in the continuity of the film and then mm-hmm. that's where their enjoyment lies right like so that's a perverse kind of enjoyment but it's still connected to the failure of the symbolic structure but it's just it's just saying like it adds this enjoyment of I'm challenging the authority of the film while I'm pointing this out or interpreting it. In I this think way. the I think the common uh, phrase on that is the, is to hate watch. I mean, like, hate like, watch. Yeah, okay. I mean that good. that involves good. a lot more. That that's a lot more conscious. Like, uh, yeah. oh, I hate watch Jersey Shore. That was like a thing when I was in my twenties that like people would say, um, and I. I don't know. So you that, enjoy you enjoy all the ways in which you can see through the film. Yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. oh, it's bad. It's terrible. Like I I can't watch this show for like these people are awful. I keep watching it. You yeah. know, like for the and and like so like the, it's this uh, this total enjoyment of the negative in the evaluative sense. Like like that's and and I actually I, I think too, I, I think sometimes too that there the. Um, there is a this the super egoic pressure to like um and social media is like the, the i think the chief um uh I, I don't know point of demand on this is that like what like one should always be enjoying like cool things like you, right. you can't like you can't you can't that's enjoy. so great ryan that's yeah. So great. yeah and so you so so there's this like almost a priori stance of like, I have to be against it because I don't know if this thing I'm looking at is going to be cool or not. So I have to, I, so I got to guard against that. And so if I watch in this way, like it's just, it's very easy to watch any film or TV show in from a standpoint of like, of, of enjoying through not enjoying. Like it's very easy to do that. Cause then you get to never be impressed by something. And like for what, I don't know, I don't know when this started, but like in um, like, popular discourse because it's been a while but like the the standpoint of not being impressed always seems more like critical and interpretive right and considered right. than it is to like have really liked something and i don't i i don't know maybe maybe uh, that's maybe such that, a good point yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe that seems more like maybe maybe actually that's like a popular you seem smarter yeah exactly you seem smarter but it's like also maybe like a popular dismissal of something that seems immediate because that thing that you said i think is really really important the act of interpretation i think people think is um like like it has to be done later. Like you have to, you have to do that. Like, and if you really, really like something, you clearly didn't interpret it, but it is the mediating lens that is always there. Always so, there. Yeah. Right. That prevents an immediate, an immediate, uh, you know, um, like contact with anything you like watch, read or listen to. 
So right, I think that's really good. That that yeah. yeah, I think it's really good, Ryan. That 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 the act of interpretation isn't opposed to the real. That's the way we get to the real. Yeah, like there's no there's no encounter with the real outside of interpretation. Even if you're not aware of the interpret, like when you're going through your daily life, you don't think, oh, I'm interpreting the world around me. If someone comes up to talk to you, you don't think, oh, I've got to interpret what they say, but you do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Right, you just, right, right? I mean, that's how I act when I'm around people. I'm like, how do I interpret the strange words yeah. that are coming from this person's mouth? But, um, but I think that that's the, that that's the, and to, that's the pathway for Lacan mm-hmm. to the real. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any immediate real. For Lacan, yeah. I think that's a really a crucial, which does come back to that immediacy episode, which I, I was is, has a really special place in my heart because I think <laughs> that notion of the mediated, like mediation, it's interesting. Like as mediation has become more and more extreme, mm-hmm. we've exper- we experience the world as increasingly immediate, mm-hmm. which I think is a strange paradox. But the problem with that is. <laughs> that we lose touch with the real as we experience the world as immediate. And that's, yeah. uh, that's another part of the paradox. I think that's a really, it's just very strange, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's another way of looking at um, the, so he doesn't phrase it this way. This is sort of our, this is our putting, putting a gloss on it as like um, the, like the, I don't know, would this be the why theory? Um, uh like is statement on the real, like the real is mediation. Would we? Would we yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think that's right. Which is interesting because we think of the symbolic as mediation. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. That, that right. It's, it's interesting. Well, I was just thinking, like the the line. This is another line from from twenty two that um, that you translated is that the the re- the real begins with the, with number three. With the number three, yeah. Right. Is yeah. The, is um now like he's not just punning off of the three orders. Like what he's going back to, I think, like quite legitimately, you can argue is some of the stuff we talked about in the previous episode in Seminar One about every duality making present like a third, um, right? right. Uh, uh, I don't know what third, third party, third party, third presence, th- just third, third thing, you know, understood right. in all its psychomalic valence. And that um, is another, I think that's about as close as he would get to like an endorsement of what we just said about like the real is mediation because it isn't, it isn't just the, like it's the you mediating the thing. And that's the two. It's like, no, the, like the mediation like emerges as this third thing, uh, that, uh, allows, I don't know. It, uh, like this, of this, of course, like contact, contact with the real and being absorbed in the real are two different things, right? Like you can never, yeah. you can never be like absorbed in it or like, yeah. or like live in it. Uh, but like you can have this contact uh, to well, it w- that arises as, a, as an encounter, I, th- I think. Right, right, yeah. right. And you can be open to the encounter or you cannot be. I think that's yeah. I think yeah. that's right. I think there's no such thing as living in the real. Like you're always no. living in the symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, God, that's such a great, with the way you formulated that, Ryan, I, 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 I'm tempted to say maybe he would say, Imaginary is the number one, symbolic mm-hmm. is the number two, and then right. real is the number three, three right? Like, right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably wrong, but there's something tempting about that way of, of seeing it, and 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 it, and it's just fascinating that it's not symbolic that's number three, that mm-hmm. it's that it's only when you get fully get mediation when you get the real. That mm-hmm. is when you get the the stumbling block of sense, right? Is actually the sine qua non of sense, mm-hmm. and I think that's. That you're getting to there, I think one of the key things of psychoanalysis and obviously of dialectics, 
also that that you can that it's the thing that that causes the problem that is also the condition of possibility. Yeah, that's very very nice. Yeah, that's very nice. Um, I think I'm I'm content to uh, leave that as the quilting point. Although Earth. I think we did oh, we want right, to talk about one more thing. I just <laughs> want to talk about one more thing. Then you we can come Colum- back. You, and you Columboed this episode. Sorry. No, sorry, no, don't I worry about I it. <laughs> I, I did want to talk about this capitalization because that's sure. an interesting Oh, yeah. No, this question. is important. I was going to, yeah. I'm glad I didn't begin our podcast this way, but because um, I, I hadn't in my head before we talked that I was going to ask you uh, to explain why later when you title this episode, you're going to struggle with whether to capitalize the T and the R or leave them lowercase. And so, right. I just, and yeah, that's important. Yeah, it's a real divide. Uh-huh. I just was telling you that, yeah. <laughs> that I'm, I wrote an essay for a collection edited by Sheldon George and Derek Hook, and they demanded every symbolic imaginary real all be capitalized, mm-hmm. which really hurt me. Because I have <laughs> to say that I don't, I find, well, I think it's, I think it's because I've, I, I think it's from this, uh, my debt to Hegel, you know, and and mm-hmm. and seeing the way Hegel gets translated from German, and then certain words are capitalized and certain ones aren't, and I'm just that's absurd because German every noun is a capital letter, mm-hmm. and so you can't possibly know which nouns he really oh he really yeah. wanted to capitalize this one, yeah. so you can't know that. So that that maybe is what, but I I feel like well, with Lacan it's the same too. thing. It's a Coleridge thing, right? Like the the capitalization makes it gives it this like metaphysical right. like illusion. Well, that's and right, that, and that's why and, I don't like it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, but with Lacan, it's the same thing because they're taking they're transcribing oral presentations. The seminars yeah. are all oral, mm-hmm. and they're saying like, "Oh, real is capital." Here, it's real as capital, and I I don't yeah. know. I feel like there is this kind of jargony dimension to the capital letter that I mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, and I I, I feel like that we should resist that. Awesome. So this is going to, uh, I don't know, syntactically look weird in the, uh, in the, the corpus but, of our episode. But I might not resist it when I well. title the episode because I like them. The only one I left small was Abjaya because I thought yeah. that would be absurd to make that. To ca- yeah, but, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, but I do uh, want to, I also want to, I want to mention that I, I, I have some extra copies of my Universality and Identity Politics book. And if you, the first, let's say, what, three people that email me, I'll, and send me your address and I'll, I'll send them to you. All right. So Todd brought that up a little casually. I'm going to like kind of nail this down. Todd is offering a free copy, three free copies, uh, not to one person of his new book. So to the, to, if you made it to, I don't know, what is this, like our, our 10 or our eight or nine, I don't know what's going to happen after um, editing the nonsense at the beginning of our episode. Uh, But the, um, yeah, so email him at todd.mcgowan at uvm.edu. First three emailers get a free copy of uh, of Todd's new book on um, it's it's I, I know it as universality, but is that that's not the title, right? Well, it's it's called universality and identity politics, but okay. I just call it the universality, universality book. book. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you going to send this through? Um, are you going to save the post? Is that post office? Is that is that part of something? This as well. Post you, office. You're saving the post office by mailing this, like through the. Uh, oh through the yeah, school. that's my effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah. we go. Yeah, there, there we go. go. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but. but that, uh, just that, to... <laughs> that's good. Todd. Yeah. That's well, anyway, yeah. What's the lesson today, Ryan? Well, hold on. I got two more things. I, so oh, you got two more things. The, we don't even have. The, we're not time of the lesson yet. Okay. No, no, no. We're not time of the lesson. Just two more things. This, this uh, yeah. So I mentioned this uh, interview that I did. I just wanted to. Um, uh, I wanted to 
where where we go here? Oh, here we go here. Yeah, so uh, I did this interview, um, and this was with uh, Jess Henderson, the founder of No Fun Magazine, author of Offline Matters, and I wanted to put that out there. I'm going to put, this will be in the show notes too, and there'll be a link to part one of the interview. There's a second one. So I was proud of what I, the, 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 the interview, so I'm just like putting that out there. Okay. Um, the second thing, which is now the third thing, uh, because you introduced the book. Bu- I, I put my third first. You, right. you put your third first, yeah, which is uh, that <laughs> right. is perfectly uh, uh, consistent. Keeping with, with the con- yeah the, the the episode, yeah, yeah, exactly. Is um we will soon have uh, transcripts of Y Theory episodes. Now it's not going to be every single one of them because I don't have enough money to pay the uh, the transcriber to do that. And also, if it's from the money's from Pomona, so narrowly the episodes that are uh, that can be transcribed. Uh, are just from when I started working here. Um, but uh, I'm either going to try to cover all the ones that we've done like up to this point since since I started working here or maybe pick like a point like maybe like eight or nine episodes ago and just uh, moving forward like as we do them. But so that's a thing. Where will they be? Uh, yeah, they're going to be on a website. When, when there is at least one, we, uh, we, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but the idea of the transcript is not just to have a record of the thing that we're saying, but also to have links for some of the things that we talk about. Like, like you know, uh, on the on the uh, banal end, if I uh, reference something like from a cartoon that's stupid and obscure, maybe there'll be a link to it. Uh, but on the other end, like you know, this happens a lot where, um, you know, we'll like paraphrase something from like a book or whatever, and if there can be like a Google Books like oh, okay. shot of that okay. line. Yeah. Yeah. That, that we'll try to do that. So that's the idea with the transcripts. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's gonna, that's coming down, uh, the pike at some point, uh, soon. So those are the three pieces of information, uh, in escalating, uh, order uh, of importance, importance, uh, so which, yours is the most important. Mine's the unimportant. Well, I wanted know. to end it with yours to make, yeah, but, the, I, but I, I, you, I jumped the gun. Yeah. You scuppered my, uh, my, my, uh, my efforts. So, uh, yeah. So what is the, what is the lesson? My lesson is, is to watch, to encounter the real, uh-huh. you just watch 13th floor. Like, okay. I think that's a really, it's an underappreciated film and uh, good encounter. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's great. Okay. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>